This episode of The Full Nerd is sponsored by Avast. Avast has been a global leader in cybersecurity for more than 30 years and is trusted by over 435 million users. Avast One is their best protection yet, giving you everything you need to take control of your safety and privacy online, and it's accessible through a single easy-to-use interface. A free version includes essential features such as free antivirus, free VPN, and free firewall protection, while the premium version has even more advanced protection. Learn more about Avast at Avast... Uh, I'm sorry. Learn more about Avast One at Avast.com. In this episode of The Full Nerd, Intel is back, and Dr. Ian Cutchers has an Alder Lake secret. Welcome to episode 196 of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with special guest, Dr. Ian Cutchers of a non-tech and tech-tech potato. Hey, Gordon. Have you actually slept? Oh, yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really rough, you know, week and a half, right? So, and Adam Patrick Murray, who has slept, I think. Actually, he hasn't slept either. Actually, you know what? Uh, there's this video game called Animal Crossing. The, the 2.0 update came out and uh, it came out a day early. So it came out last night and I was like, oh no, I got to get up early tomorrow. So no, I'm, I'm pretty damn tired, uh, but for different reasons, for different reasons. I'm, you know, not, not here doing the CPU testing like you two are, but Man, uh, it's it's glad to, I'm glad to have Ian back on the show. It's uh, been a bit. How are how are you doing, Ian? How are things in yeah, on your side of the pond? I'm doing well. I mean, I catch you guys almost every week now. You're yeah. you're in my reminders, you know, just so I can uh, you know pull Brad's leg every now and again. That's always quite fun. Yeah, he, Prom- he, promotional or not, he's still a subject to ridicule. I'm just like, man, how how many how many good questions is Ian going to put in the chat today? And I'm going to have to ignore because I don't just want the chat yeah. overrun by Ian questions. But guess what? Uh, now you're here, so you you get to you get to overrun the whole conversation. And I'm not even looking at chat, so I can't ask anything. <laughs> I, I have a question though, Ian. What is in the MSI Intel box behind you? To your right. Oh, that uh, this this. Did you get the uh, MSI press kit no. this year? So it seems Thanks, now MSI. that the common thing that MSI does press kits, and uh, I've got a video on my channel where I've got this massive box that, I don't know, it, it weighed about uh, 50 pounds, and inside it was this, and inside this was, well, it's not here anymore, but a Core i9, oh. 12900K. So alongside the Intel press kit, MSI also wants to get ahead of the game. I saw a few people got Asus press kits. Yeah, I got these in the US, uh, which was what seven motherboards. I didn't get that many. But I saw some people with seven. I ended up using the uh, Hero, the Maximus six ninety Hero. So that was the, that was the the crazy, insane, big, big motherboard. I was like, you know what, you got to go well, all the way there. So. Well, actually, I, I think well, I, this is a good way to uh, start off the talk. Uh, you know, obviously, we're here talking about Alder Lake. Let's go over how each of you tested it, uh, the different configurations, all that kind of stuff. Because one of the good things about having Ian here is that uh, it's it's double the dosage of, of information. It's 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 good to have even more information. So how, how did we uh, how did we approach it this time? Win ten, DDR four and five, and I mean, how do you even yeah. get all those in? Well, I mean, so for, for a launch, this is this is fairly unique as launches go. We've got new, 
way that the processor is actually configured. We've got a new operating system in the mix. We've got a new memory standard in the mix. So that's two to the power three, eight degrees of freedom. So chances are every review people will read or watch this week will be different because everybody's testing something different on that spectrum. I focus mainly on Windows 10 because my scripts just happen to work with Windows 10. I think I did 10 versus 11 comparison, DDR4 versus DDR5 on Windows 10 comparison, and then focus mainly on the Core i9, 12900K, because ultimately that's all I had time for. <laughs> these, these reviews always go down to the wire. I think I posted an hour after the embargo deadline. That's how much needed to be done. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you because there's always I, – I don't think people understand this because you often get the demand from the internet. It's like, well, why didn't you run this variable and this variable and then also this? I want to see it with this and this and this and then do it with your left eye closed. I, I just – it's not possible, you know, sometimes. And actually, uh, for me, I ran everything Windows 11. Uh, my feeling was Microsoft being the force it is with the PC, if you are not going to run Windows 11 well, you, you're done. You're done. So, because they are going to make everybody sell Windows 11 really, really fast if it already hasn't happened. Um, I also, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, when a lot of, um, you know, companies will go like, do you, do you use scripts? And I, I tend not to use scripts. And the reason why I don't use scripts, even though I, I love the idea, is I was taught from years of using Sysmark stuff when it breaks, you're just kind of like, I, what I find is there's never enough time and something is going to break. And then now I'm troubleshooting what broke. So I actually still like run everything by hand, which people are like, that's insane. But it, it, it yeah. Over the time, you know, people will say, do this test, do this test, do, you know, molecular dynamics, do this test, which is like a sixth renderer, test this game on Steam. So eventually you build up a list of 100 tests. Now, if you're doing it manually, there's no way you're going to get through 100 tests without some form of automation. So that's kind of the route I went down. And the thing when you do automation is, okay, so my CPU suite, just the CPU tests, not gaming tests, takes 24 hours. One button, click, run, get the results at the end. But three nights this week, it was a case of, well, I know my script has two hours left to go at bedtime. Mm. Do I stay up for two hours and run it again? Or do I get some sleep? And mm -hmm. I've learned in the past that if you stay up, that's the bad option. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. feel worse. No, and so, it, I was like, so I got like, fr it was Friday and it was like five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you know, I really need to go to sleep. But you're like, I want to run yeah. one more thing because you, you want to at least sort of see, you know, where, where it is early. Uh, I, we need to get to this because I think this is this is what this is the only thing everybody they can hear it and then they can just click on to the next some other video of some cat video. But is Intel back in in your opinion? Yes. <laughs> okay, right, cool. roll, roll credits. Yeah, there that's we go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks everyone that's for it. coming. <laughs> but it's a, it's, I mean, well, it's so, a good so, part, right? I mean, it's a good part. It's it's kind of back is a relative term because at one. Because <laughs> one chip at one point of time doing well is good. Having a roadmap for next generation performance is better. And we still need that second part, but as an individual 
what's out in the market today if you don't care about power then it's it's great if you don't if you don't care about the ddr5 tax it's great if you don't care about windows 10 versus windows 11 it's great unfortunately intel's got this problem of it's got a really really nice part beats amd zen 3 in a lot of areas but it comes at a time of memory transfer new operating system new hybrid core design and that i think is going to be the that the downside of all the positive that we're going to hear coming out of you know, my review, your review, Gamers Nexus, everybody else's reviews. I mean, Steve was even smiling in his re- his thumbnails. <laughs> yeah, that's that was weird. <laughs> when you see Steve smiling, you know there's something wrong with his uh, video. It is, it is funny how Steve is the Mikey of, of course, <laughs> I people don't even know what I'm referencing. They're like, what are you talking about? Well, go to YouTube and look up some Mike, even Mikey likes it commercial. That's that's basically sort of Steven some uh, things. But also, we have a quick question. Uh, Ezra wants to clarify uh, with by saying DDR five tax. Uh, do you mean that it's expensive because it just came out? Yes. Yeah, um, I think the reports are that um, will be ten percent of the market will be DDR five this year. Twenty five percent of the market will be DDR five next year, and then we're not going to get the crossover to DDR four until the second half of twenty twenty three. That's that's when most of the analysts think we'll reach price parity per gigabyte in late twenty three. Hmm. You know, I haven't really so, looked at the the prices today, but they're they're probably where I, I expected them to be. That's and you know, a lot of I think people got really upset because you know Asus was saying. I think it was Asus saying, yeah, there might be a 60% price premium. I was like, <laughs> you'd be lucky to pay 60% price premium on this initially. <laughs> yeah, MSI was saying something similar, like about 40%. Um, but, okay, Gor- uh, question for you, Gordon. Did you use 16 gigabyte modules or 32 gigabyte modules? I used a combination because I started off, everything was 32 gig mods. So 32 gig, um, you know, dual rank. Um, mm-hmm. 4,800 modules for Alder Lake. And then for AMD, I, because I was like, well, I could run two 16 gig modules, but that, that's not fair. I, cause then people are going to like, yeah, you need 60. So I ended up running four, uh, 3,600 modules for AMD to get at least, cause I know people, even though they always go like, well, it's not fair. One has 64 gigs, one has 32 gigs. Well, you just have to do it. So I ended up going with 16 and, and 32, but then later on at the end, which I haven't even run my, my memory stuff yet, but um, I ended up swapping out to some 5,200 modules, which are 16 gigs. So, and what did yeah, so you but, go with? So pretty much all the memory vendors, when we asked for samples said, we only have 16 gigabyte modules in stock. And it, as a result, the only 32 gigabyte modules I ended up with were actually in the Intel press kit. And they were SK Hynix uh, DDR5 uh, 4800B. And the B means cast latency 40 in this case, uh, which just happens to be the default JDEC spec for Old Lake. It's funny how that works out. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah. Funny. Yeah, no, I, and um, you actually did DDR5 versus DDR4. Did you, because since we're on memory, we might as well get that out of the way. A couple what, of YouTubers did yeah. too. What would you feel as far as that goes? Yeah, so from a holistic level, you think, right, okay, more bandwidth equals more performance. Um, in single-threaded tests, 
in actual fact an individual core can't use the whole bandwidth of ddr4 let alone ddr5 so with single threaded tasks we didn't see any improvement really nothing to nothing really to mention what came to the fore was in multi-threaded because not only do you have the increased bandwidth we also discovered that because you're now technically with ddr5 you're running four channel four 32-bit channels rather than two 64-bit channels it's still 128-bit wide bus but they're just managing the channels differently that allows there to be more sort of outstanding accesses to memory which optimizes um optimizes the connection so we saw massive speed ups in things like spec using ddr5 um and any sort of workload on my windows 10 testing that you know when you pile on the cores it just hammers on the memory and those we're seeing anywhere from you know 10 20 30 40 50 percent speed ups wow. just by going to ddr5 i mean it is very specialized for multi-threaded workloads but in the same way when we saw the m1 max um n1 max with 200 gigabytes a second 400 gigabytes a second um some of the tests there were easy you know six eight x what the m1 was because of the memory bandwidth and because the ability to have all these um you know outstanding memory accesses queued up and optimized for so it's right now getting ddr5 is a more specialized workload but if you want to compare the best with the best then yeah let's let's go ddr5 the benefit is there whether regular people will see it is questionable but people will definitely have use for it huh no that makes sense because i mean uh back in the old days i um asrock made this weird remember you had quad channel you know big intel chips and they made this like mini itx board but they couldn't fit all the modules on there so <laughs> they, they like instead of having four channels they made like a two channel board which you were like oh that's weird but i really yeah. was kind of shocked that i it was really, really hard to ever see much of an improvement. Of course, that's back then with fairly low core count and not exactly yep. super fast chips compared to today. But memory bandwidth just didn't really matter for most things that people did, right? I've got an ASRock board here. It's epic, but it's four channel, not eight channel, because it's the thin, oh. thin mini ITX. So, you know, they, they did their own special form factor. And it's great if you want compute density. Um, but it's... The memory bandwidth argument that we're currently having with Old Lake, we're going to have with AMD, with Zen 4 next year, same thing. But also we're going to have it with the vCache as well because memory is just a big cache with a high latency. Yeah. And so as you move those caches and those latencies around, performance is going to change. And how, yeah. How much of that, though, is is developers... And Intel going because you know they've always sort of fought this battle of like, man, main memory is is always so slow. It's it's killing us. Let's just make the caches bigger. And a lot of the applications are sort of like they're they're not expecting you to have this you know crazy amounts of, of memory bandwidth. So it just feels like it takes a lot of work to get everything to where you can really use it all. I mean, there's writing code and there's writing code for a platform. And that second step is usually a step too far for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's when you are an Adobe, you know, when you are a Maxon, when you are a Google Chrome, sure. Yeah. But but when you're indie developer using Unity, 
Unity might have, but if you're putting anything else on top of that, you're probably not optimizing very specific. Yeah, you're doing the same things like um, avoiding cache sharing and um, things like that. Standard programming techniques that you learn sort of first year computer science course, but... Uh, we do have a, a question from friend of the show, The End. Uh, it says, please clarify for us, uh, Mr. Tech Tech Potato. No performance uplift in most games with DDR5. Single core performance is directly tied to gaming in most applications. So why why does it not affect it? I should specify um, CPU workloads. I don't think I got around to the gaming yet. Gaming testing yet. So, I'll, I'll say I did watch uh, Hardware and Box video. Good mm-hmm. video. Uh, go watch it. And they did some uh, gaming performance tests from DDR5, DDR4, and there, yeah, there there was barely an uplift. I mean, some games took advantage of it, but most of the time, no, not really. Yeah, but I, you know, I, it's interesting because you know, so what companies do when they send you a part is they send you uh, numbers that you should be hitting. There's you you want to make sure you can calibrate your results if like something is way off. You may have misconfigured something. I think even Intel's own numbers showed some games were very latency sensitive uh, for memory. So they actually got a, a pretty good bump. And then a lot of them, or some of them, DDR5 was better. And then a lot of them was a wash. Um, so it doesn't feel like, I would think DDR4 might, especially have very low latencies in some games might help. But it doesn't look like it's, it, it doesn't sound like it's giving people the bump. I mean, especially expected. especially for them, for the price premium Hell no. You know, maybe you're talking about a, a 5% at best oh, uplift. You mean for, for five. A, yeah, you're arguing you know. for five. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, four versus five. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, I mean, people... I, I was seeing, what, about 77... I think with the 5,200 models, I was like about 77 gigs a second. And DDR4, 3,600. It was like maybe 40, you know? So there's a significant increase in memory bandwidth. But as we just discussed, does that does that ever matter? So... Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, they yeah. they did have some tests, at least on on their suite, where more the uh, productivity side of it, right? When when you can take advantage of it on the productivity side, that's where you see some uh, some increase. Oh, do we actually, you know, because do we want to do show and tell? Because I that's that's always fun. Uh, well, actually, real quick, we we got uh, two super chats. I want to get to friend of the show, Dark Helmet, gave us five dollars. Thank you so much. Uh, asked Gordon, how long did you give the AIO to cool down after the long running tests? Um, and Ian too. I mean, long running. I don't even know if I have anything that runs that long. Frankly, on your, you know, it's also I was doing this in my garage where it's it's sixty five degrees, so it's like sitting in a refrigerator. I don't think I actually. And then I'm trying to think. Probably the longest running things. It's one of those things where you start it, you go upstairs, you you get a sandwich pet the dog you come back and it's already been done so i didn't record it but generally there i did not have heating issues oh you know that's actually worth talking about too did you did you end up using a 360 millimeter rad or air cooling or intel stock cooler from a sandy bridge part or what so uh i with the in with the intel kit came a Corsair H150i Elite Capellix 360 mil AIO. With the MSI kit came the MSI Core Liquid 360 mil AIO. Um, turns out that all the stuff that I already had didn't work, and I mm. was stupid enough not to reach out to Noctua for for an updated cooler. But So I ended up running the 360 mil AIOs. Um, though... One thing I noticed with with the thermals, um, did you happen to notice that your processor hitting a hundred degrees very quickly? 
No, you know, it's because I, I, I've, when I approach the reviews now, cause we're, you know, more of uh new for normals. I don't really pay attention to the chip temperatures. I sort of, I always, my feeling is like people get a little too focused sort of like on what the temps of the cores are. The only thing that matters to me is in the end, the person sitting there at home is going to like, oh, this took an extra five minutes longer. So to me, it comes, it, the wasp comes out in performance, not about the, 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 so I didn't really pay too. Did you see yeah. really like it would like a hundred, hundred C in like well, two milliseconds? Well, so I think there's a bit of a problem currently with Old Lake. Um, I both of my systems that I had up and running, both MSI motherboards, um, though I've heard it happen with ASUS and Gigabyte boards as well. You will load up three cores, three P cores, and all your sensors, HW info, will instantly go to 100 degrees and stay there. But if you notice, the frequency of your CPU cores doesn't decrease. It stays at 4.9 or core. Um, and I was wondering what the hell was going on. And then I realized that my MSI 360mm AIO, it has one of those OLED displays on it showing all sorts of data. Mm. And it was saying CPU temperature 69 degrees, 70 degrees. Mm. I was like, huh? Well, HW Info is saying 100. The two-digit debug on the board that is designed to output temperature after boot says 99 why is my CPU cooler saying 6970? I haven't had a good answer to this um, because apparently Asus say in full load you should be having about 75 degrees with a 360mm AIO. So I'm of the opinion right now because even when it's saying it's hitting 100, the frequency isn't decreasing. So I think the sensors being polled are wrong. Intel's changed some of the thermal sensors around and either the software hasn't caught up or even the BIOS isn't polling the right sensors on the board properly. Um, so I I didn't see any slowdown due to thermals because it would have been pretty obvious. Um, but I did see all of my equipment, aside from that one sensor on my CPU cooler, saying it's literally said CPU temperature 69, not CPU socket, not CPU liquid, not vrm temp anything else specifically the cpu was at 69 degrees while everything else at 100 it's again bugs of an early system hmm. Hmm. no that makes sense because you know anytime you have there are just and again the crazy amount of variables with this <laughs> i'm not surprised well, so. and I, i'm only referencing the hardware unbox video because that's the only one I, I watched this morning but uh, they did do some testings on 240 versus 360 cooler yeah. and the 360 obviously had a had a, a performance uplift they they didn't seem like a 240 would would, would be enough would cut yeah mm. for intensive intensive loads and i think i saw an early report too saying that you really need a uh a cooler design for LGA 1700 too. Mm. So I, I, who knows? I, I don't, it, it's, it's so, yeah, I, I think that was MSI in their decks. I think it's because they had an LGA 1700 cooler. They wanted to hawk. Mm -hmm. So to, to also to, to a certain extent, it's, it is a bit of guff because the CPU itself is in the center of the package and all the coolers do go on the center of the package. The difference between the sockets is uh, 75 mil by 75 mil going up to 78 mil to 78 mil. That's not a lot of difference. So as long as you're covering the center of the CPU, it's perfectly fine. Hmm. 
And to corroborate that, Intel's press kit came with an LGA 1200 cooler with an LGA 1700 bracket. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's good to know. Well, I think this uh, will will take us into a uh, power draw too. I know uh, both of you have charts on that, so uh, you know because with the thermals come the power. Uh, I think that's an interesting story there. Yeah, no, a lot definitely. Of question it. Uh, you know, we haven't even gotten into the performance start start <laughs> stuff yet. But I so I'm gonna well, I'm gonna do my show and tell first is so the, again I, the way I sort of view everything is is from a very practical uh, point of view. Uh, this is, well, let's do, uh, slide eight, Adam. Slide eight. Proceed on photo editing. Okay. And so what I do is I configure both systems with, you know, near as much identical hardware as I can. And then I run them both on logging watt meters. I record the, you know, how much power they're using. And then I at run. At the wall. Yeah, at the wall. So it's total system power. I know a lot of people like to do sometimes, uh, chip based. I, my, my feeling is for a normal person who's paying for it, you can't just say, hey, I'm not paying you for the rest of this. I'm only paying for the CPU part. <laughs> and this is a Procyon photo editing, uh, which basically runs Photoshop and uh, Lightroom Classic through you know various scripts to, to measure performance. And what you are seeing in the, in the chart on the screen is the red, because I couldn't get the logging software to change the color to Intel and AMD's corporate colors. Red is mm-hmm. Intel, purple is AMD. So that's 5950X versus the 12900K. And you can basically see, you know, as much as people like to believe that you need a 64-core CPU to do everything in Photoshop and even Lightroom, you generally don't. Most of this is very bursty. And I was actually kind of surprised that 5950X, which is an amazingly efficient CPU, actually in these burst loads was using a little more power than Intel. You know, and and again, maybe it's a little unfair because they're using a little more for memory because I had four DIMMs versus two DIMMs. But that's, you know, if you want 64 gigs of RAM, you're you're not going to get to 64 gigs with DDR4 with uh, two DIMMs. So, what uh, was the performance difference between the two? They were actually very close. I mean, uh, Intel. So my let me do slide four just for. Oh, are are those the oh slide four? Yeah, do I have that? Oh no, 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 never mind. That's the video. Never That's game. Sorry. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. They, they were basically very close. Uh, I, I would give uh, Intel the win in Procyon 2.0, you know, maybe 5% at the, at the i9 level because, you know, I, it was just still nothing to sneeze at. But, you know, not isn't like doesn't make Ryzen curl up into a ball. So in Procyon 2.0, uh, Intel was faster 5%. But, if you know, the problem with Adobe products is it's huge, sprawling you know, metropolis of different features and different things you do use different power. Uh, for Puget Bench, uh, for Puget Systems uh, Photo Benchmark, uh, for Photoshop and Lightroom, margins were more like um, maybe 15% for Intel, for Alder Lake, for both of them. And actually, I was kind of surprised because a Lightroom does generally use more cores, and Alder Lake ended up beating Ryzen uh, in in Puget Bench, even though I Procyon's a sh- you know shorter suite, it mashes both Photoshop and Lightroom Classic into the same. So, but as far as power goes, it can be ugly. I there, I don't have the 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 chart here, but yeah, on a single core, uh, on all core, I always think I was pushing three hundred and forty watts, three hundred twenty watts. Oh, we have whereas the, Ryzen was two hundred. Oh, we have the is that the slide nine the twelfth gen power trace? Oh no, that's a Core i five. That's Core i five, oh, okay. which is sorry. We can and that is the, we can talk about. We should definitely talk about the i five Ryzen five level later. But it's 
that's just to illustrate just to got it, got it. well we could we we could bring it up now since we're talking about power let's do slide nine so ian i don't i don't know if you can see this or not but basically and for audio listeners it's basically the same thing i'm running uh the same systems but with core i5 12600k and ryzen 5 uh 5600x i'm running basically a cinebench r23 run i record these simultaneously running on the on the systems that are, you know, similarly configured, although you can't with the motherboard and CPU, obviously, but the, you know, coolers and everything are the same. And you can clearly see that i5-12600K is definitely more of a power hog. I think we're right up there about 240 watts for uh, i5-12600K on all cores, whereas Ryzen 5 5600 is maybe 170-ish, 180. So significantly less power for Ryzen. But the reason why I, I wanted, this really does kind of blow me away because on this chart for audio listeners, as <clears throat> as you're watching the power, is basically running across the top. Cinebench R23 loops the benchmark. So it, it runs it once, one frame, and then it starts over again. So every time it drops is basically Cinebench R23 resetting itself. So Ryzen or Core i5 is using more power, but in the same time, in the same, in this, basically the same benchmark, it's able to run 14, complete 14 renders of, of the Cinebench frame, whereas the Ryzen 5 is like, I think, nine. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, Yes, you you're using more power for uh, Core i5, but you are getting significantly more power at that i5 because Intel has has decided to strangle Ryzen five. It feels like more than anything. Uh, Cinebench is a weird one um, because it's it's technically not a compute heavy benchmark. It relies a lot on dependency chains, and it just so happens that e cores are perfect for that sort of workload. Do you think also so, AV? Because I know there's sort of oh, we, this is a good segue to your your big secret too. <laughs> Although I want to talk about your power stuff, but uh, sorry, let's go to power first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's show Ian's power chart. This is show and tell. It's show and tell which, in the fourth grade, kids. Which one you want me to show first, Ian? Um, the the one with the vertical bars, I think. Oh, the poverty. Yeah, got it. So, what what are people seeing here? So what I did with this test is I tested just with the P cores enabled, just with the E cores uh, enabled. Um, actually, I can't remember. Uh, uh, so I, I can't. Okay, yeah, now I can see it in front of me. Okay, so in the green we have P cores idle. So that means that all we're doing is we're loading up the E cores. Unfortunately, you can't disable all the P cores on these chips. You have to have at least one enabled you can disable hyperthreading on it so you end up with a nine core nine thread chip <laughs> but you have to have one p core enabled hmm. um but so the green goes you know zero plus one zero plus two all the way up and we get a total of 48 watts at the package level when all the e cores are enabled in on the green we have the e cores disabled so this is p cores only and so that mirrors your standard eight core 16 thread chip you know, from last generation, but just with a new P-Core architecture. And then in red, I've put the E-Cores at 100% the whole way, and then we just load up the P-Cores again to see what happens. So if Old Lake had no E-Cores, uh, so it's like an 8 plus 0 chip, just P-Cores only, 
we see a you know total power right at the end of 239 watts. Once you add the e-cores onto that, it kind of balances out the power and tries to max it for the socket. So even though Intel said 241 watts for your turbo power, um, in this test we managed to get 259. I think in one of them I eventually got up to 272. Um, Right now, Intel doesn't break out package cores, DRAM. Uh, AMD likes to tell you the power of each individual core as it's running, which is really, really helpful. I really wish Intel did that, Mm -hmm. Um, but not quite yet. So power in this instance, compared to last gen, the P cores are roughly the same, even though we're moving from 10, super thin, to Intel 7. Um, Once you add in the E cores, it kind of muddies the efficiency a little bit because of how the cores are designed. It's almost as if we need different ways to represent this data now that we have two different cores. You either have an all P core load, an all E core load, and a combined load, and then it, yeah, it gets messy very quickly. <laughs> Unless you know you're just doing at wall testing, because then it's what it is will be, I guess. Yeah, that's why I like it because it's easier for dumb people like me. So that's <laughs> that's just like how much I got to write the check to power company for. That's 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 all that matters. So it's it's I think on this graph where it shows where we're going from completely idle to just one P core only. We're going from, what, 7 watts to 78 watts. So just one core can use 71 watts, which is massive. Wow. Though, to be honest, that that also takes into account spinning up the ring, spinning up the cache. So that probably takes 10 to 15% of it. So realistically, we're looking at, at the peak, about 55 to 60 watts per core. During our spec tests, where we do spec single thread, we do those in Linux, and Linux has much better power reporting. We were only hitting about 33, 35 watts. Hmm. So it does depend on the workload as well. Um, Povray, as you know, can be fairly, fairly ag, as it were, <laughs> on the core. So Yeah. No, that's... <clears throat> Should we... But, I mean, yeah, it, uh, overall, I'm... Going from 10SF to 7, we're seeing performance increase, but not a, but not an outright power level increase. So performance per watt is still increased as a or yeah as a function of IPC more than as a function of the process. But I that so. that's really playing Tiger Lake mobile versus um, current stuff. What do you think about versus you know 14 nanometer stuff? I mean it's. Rocket Lake was impressive, you have to admit, for... No, no, uh, that, that was comparing against oh, Rocket okay. Lake. So, so Rocket Lake, um, the 8-core chip, 8-core, 16-thread, was about 240 watts with AVX2 workload, and the same thing with the Core i9 with Old Lake, 8-core, 16-thread, about 240 watts AVX2. Hmm. So, it's it's makes you wonder what the difference what the differences really are between 10SF and Intel 7 what it used to be called enhanced superfin right with the but they never really dove down into the exact benefits of what enhanced superfin over regular superfin were well sometimes i wonder if um it's something uh, i mean enthusiasts certainly you know love to pay attention to for a regular person sometimes it feels like the whole focus um, on like, I even saw this comment this morning 
from a coworker who was like, God, Intel is so far behind, you know, but that's just like, you know, and it was, it's clearly the marketing has worked, you know, from, and, and I was like, yeah, I don't, to me, it's, I, the only thing I care about is battery life, how fast it is sometimes for a laptop, but. Do, do, do you remember when AMD launched the 220-watt FX CPUs and the marketing <laughs> message was, if it's in a desktop, people don't care how much power it draws? <laughs> you know, and I'm going to admit, though, I I bought into that. So I am, you know, for the old school, when I cared really about it, it's like, I don't care. Like, it's actually, and of, of course, people from from their electric cars today think it's a horrible approach to the world. But there was always something cool about like just burning massive amounts of gasoline to you know for your performance <laughs> in the in a certain there and you know people don't understand it today because it's not that way now. But there was something I had a, like I had a rotary pickup that thing would get like twelve miles to the gallon. Wait, so are are you trying to uh, compare those FX chips to uh, to classic muscle cars? No, because, no, because I I think they're really they were you know it really didn't it really and. I'm saying they said that because people like me, lunkheads like me, was like, I don't care. I got to like, we were like, there was an age where you wanted to like, I got a 1600 watt power supply, right? <laughs> and then I buy the stupid power supply for if you're not going to use it. Because the way we always thought was like, you know what? Minesweeper. If you're using more power, you're faster, right? And there, there was really, a, there was an age of, of PC enthusiasts that, that really thought that way, right? Because it wasn't about efficiency. It was like, let's burn as much gas as possible because we're in a drag race. I don't, I don't uh, know. Well, we have uh, Brad in the chat who says uh, the difference is people actually wanted classic muscle cars, not the FX. Yeah. You know the sad thing about that whole FX? <laughs> I, so remember, because they sent out the board, uh, the cooler, because it had to be liquid cooled, and, and, the, and the chip. And it was like, yeah, this is an awesomeness. Like, wow, it's and it was again five gigahertz or whatever it was. And it was a one twenty mil cooler. It was a crazy amount of power that it consumed to to get to to not go that very to not go very fast. Well, I don't know what I was doing, but I broke that out of the storage closet here. It's like, you know what? I'm, and it was actually when Ryzen had first come out. I said, I need to compare FX nine. You know, the updated the BIOS yeah. on the board. You know what happened? It says. Would not this board will not work with the CPU? The C the motherboard yep. that AMD had sent with the CPU would not work with it because after <laughs> clearly Azrock has come back and says, you know what, this is going to blow the VRMs this and it's, run along. So. I did I did have to correct Roy Taylor on Twitter a couple of times because of that. Though though just to draw it back to Intel and <laughs> you're talking about burning power. So when you're not running anything, the CPUs were idle at the most efficient state. That's the whole goal. So you're using less power. And then that doesn't mean you just reduce the clocks because if you reduce clocks too far, your static power becomes higher than your dynamic power. So what they do is they go down to the minimum and then they duty cycle. They go on, off, on, off, on, off and what have you. I've noticed that with these chips, the efficiency point, remember it used to be 800 megahertz. Whenever you were idle, every Intel chip would do 800 megahertz. These are now 400 400 i'm seeing i'm seeing numbers around three four five hundred when idle for these cores so one could extrapolate that these cores are focused for mobile it, it would also indicate that when we see alder like in a laptop that it may actually be surprisingly power efficient right because i think well 
as long as you're not on the yeah. gas. But it found it feels like they may actually be pretty efficient when you're not doing anything. So, funny thing is, in Windows, our idle power consumption for the package for the CPU package we registered at about five watts at its lowest. In Linux, it was one point eight. Hmm, that's weird. Uh, so, uh, Windows 10, so maybe it doesn't have all the optimizations that Windows 11 might have, but still, interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah, no, your definitely. Linux, your Linux laptop might have more battery life. <laughs> well, Although, and we're we're being reminded in the chat that it can't compete with the efficiency of the M1. I mean, come on, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I actually I, I do need to to look at. For, so clearly, the M1 will be faster in the in the Twitter benchmarks. So I, I, it would be interesting to, <laughs> like, if it's faster, if this is faster than Geekbench, then it's, you know, or Cinebench R23, it's over, right? That's all you need to, those two things are the only thing you care about. That's enough. Well, so, well, so we did our usual industry standard benchmarks to compare against uh, the M1 and the M1 Max. I think I sent them to you, Adam, yep. in advance. There, there's a rate it's, N and rate 1. Which one do you want me to show? Uh, so... So let, let, let's start with rate one, because this is single core performance. Um, this, I'm going to have to wait until it shows up on my screen here, because I'm oh. also watching the stream on my phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we have a new single threaded performance winner. Beats M1, beats Zen 3. So this is at the stock turbo frequency. So this is 5.2 gigahertz um for intel and you see here we've got almost no difference between ddr5 and ddr4 on the p cores um the m1 max this here is is um ranked by integer performance and then floating points are the bigger bars so if you ranked by floating point performance it'd be a bit bit different uh, but this is indicative of how intel's changed the p core to be they've broken up the execution port so you can do more per cycle in the same way that AMD did that for Zen 3, um, and you know, M1 is also really wide on the back end as well. Though, interestingly, though, right at the bottom, you'll see the E core, which is uh, in DDR5, only very slightly behind a Zen 2. Um, and through our benchmarks, we actually found out that, yes, clock for clock, it is about the same as a Skylake core. Yeah, no, that's so. Whew. So, if it in terms of who has the best core on the mar- highest performance core in the market, Intel. Who has the highest performance per watt core on the market? That's probably still Apple. Hmm. So because we are talking about six, uh, uh, I think this is yeah, thirty-five, forty watts for the single core during spec. Wow. So I mean, the, the upshot is look out when Alder Lake on mobile comes out. So the the fanboy army on Twitter may may be uh, maybe they need to. Um, uh, not be quite as loud at because they may end up eating eating their words at that point. Um, and for people who don't know, um, can you explain spec? I mean, it's like I've never, Ian, I've never heard of that benchmark. I run Geekbench, <laughs> the free one, and that's it. That's that's all I need yeah. to know. So you know how everything has standards, as in the way it's meant to be, not as in the best standard, just as in the regular. Let's keep it all the same. Let's make sure all the screws are of the same type. Make sure they all fit. Let's not have 50 different types of screws in the market. Um, 
Spec is an organization that essentially has the industry standard benchmarks. They have developed predefined workloads with all the major vendors that can be run on system. You, you, you compile it. So you, it's like you, they, they give you the code, essentially, and you have to compile it and provide the results. And it ha- in order to be an official spec run, you have to conform to all these sorts of um, different variables. And companies like Intel and AMD, they will use their custom compilers to try and optimize the code paths for the best. Here we're using uh, Clang 10, so it's kind of like a more generic compiler. And it basically... You have benchmarks that everybody that owns a desktop knows. Geekbench, Cinebench. Spec is just, it's like the the standard up. It's still all based on real-world workloads. Um, So right now, the most modern version of Spec is Spec 2017. Before that, we had Spec 2006. Funnily enough, a lot of the embedded industry still uses Spec 2006, as their major marker, um, we use a bit of both. Some some people complain when we use two, Spec 2006, but Arm says so many of our customers use it. You should, uh, and so it also it's cross compat it's uh, cross platform compatible if you do it right. Um, it's just got that high barrier to entry because it's not just software you download in one click. You actually have to buy a license, compile it for your system. And then run it, and you have to run it in the official way if you want to get official results. Technically, we have to call our results um, like expected or simulated because it's not an official spec run. There are rules to go along with this. It's it's very much uh, if you're into your uh, red tape, then it then it's, then it's great fun. I always sort of ignore the because you know a lot of benchmark organizations will they have requirements for you to, but I always feel like you know we get the we get the flash of press bad, so I get to ignore all that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, you I mean you have uh, Bapco and things like that that are industry standards that typically revolve around one company and others join. Spec is kind of been independent from that. Hmm. So, uh, actually, Ian got to show off his chart. I want to show off. Um, let's do slide three. Uh, this P- is Puja Bench. So, this is Puja Bench Photoshop. And uh, again, we I talked about this earlier. Where um, uh, where is my? So basically, for for Puget, i nine is about fourteen fifteen percent faster than fifty nine fifty x, and uh, Ryzen, uh, Core i five is about thirteen percent faster because I you know it's fairly light stuff, but um, mostly single threaded stuff. But you know, fourteen, fifteen percent, and thirteen percent—that's fairly significant uh, for Puget Bench because, you know, unfortunately, you know, one of the things that I left behind was tenth gen and eleventh gen here because you know you'd have to test them when Windows eleven. I didn't do them, but I can tell you, fifty—you know, Ryzen five thousand pretty much beat them up pretty badly here. So the fact that uh, Alder Lake, both i five, i nine, is you know double digit performance ahead of uh, Ryzen fairly significant in Photoshop. And, you know, and again, this is a, it's a real world uh, benchmark. So, cause it is using an actual application from Adobe. And let's do, actually let's do slide two since we're here. 
Okay. That's that's Lightroom Classic. So another Puget Bench Lightroom Classic. Again, Intel uh very much ahead here. Uh let's where's my numbers here for for uh you're you're looking at uh Lightroom overall score sixteen point eight percent faster. Uh twelve and the interesting thing too when you look at Lightroom Classic is uh Puget Bench breaks it down to active score and passive score. Active is they're measuring when you're switching between um say library view and going into a developing mode. So like you're gonna if you're which actually, happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're often if you use Lightroom Classic, which I love, it's an awesome oh, product. Yeah, me too. Classic, not the actual other one. Um you're switching in between, so it really measures that sort of active performance. And it's twelve percent for Alder Lake. Um I'm yeah, 9.5% for i9, 12% for i5, which basically just crushes Ryzen 5. And uh, the thing that kind of surprised me was the passive score because i9 is 17% faster and uh, i5 is like 22% faster. So, uh, and the reason I say that is because, so the passive part is you've, you've done all your edits of your my daughter's volleyball game. Now I'm going to export all the JPEGs. Well, when you're doing your JPEGs, it's generally just sort of hammers all the cores and the exports in, in Lightroom Classic. So mm. I kind of thought that Ryzen uh, 9 would, would beat them here because they still have 32 threads. And they did have an advantage in a lot of the 3D rendering benchmarks I ran. So I thought I thought mm. it would be closer. But actually, Alder Lake was um, – I mean, that's a, that's pretty significant. That 17% and 22% is a significant increase for Alder Lake over Ryzen 9. So. Yep. So the, the the engineer in me obviously wants to know how much of that is IPC versus how much of that is DDR5, because obviously you're you're testing DDR4 to DDR5 here, which uh, and because these are multi-threaded variable multi-threaded tests, um, Adam, if you could throw up uh, my spec multi-threaded mm-hmm. um, graph, because this is actually where we see the biggest difference between DDR4 and DDR5. Um, a number of the spec tests are memory intensive just because some of the workloads are perhaps more on the more scientific side uh but we'll see here that ddr5 and ddr4 there's a significant difference between the performance so at the top we have um the ryzen 9 5950x that's the highest performer when it comes to integer workloads it's a bit behind on uh, floating point now, which is interesting because that was one of the key areas that Intel, that AMD was ahead when Zen and Zen 2 and Zen 3 have been launched. But then you've got DDR5 right behind it if you rank by integer. Um, but then the DDR4 numbers are about 20 to 25% behind. Wow. And And in certain tests, the difference is actually more like 50, 60, 70 to 2x difference. In individual tests, but if you look at the Apple M1 Max, Apple M1 Max has you know one massive bark, and that's the floating point. When we compared the M1 to the M1 Max, because of the memory bandwidth of using LPDDR5 and you know up to 400 gig a sec, some of those tests were 6x to 9x better because of the memory bandwidth. And this is goes back to what I was saying: DDR4 versus DDR5, not much difference in single threaded. But when you load them up and when each core has outstanding you know, memory requests to cache and to memory, that's where DDR5 really wins out. So if you wanted just to have a look at IPC differences, 
um, you'd compare the DDR4 12900K, which I've called an i7 for some reason, uh, <laughs> it's okay. against uh, against the 11900K, and you know there's a good what, 19, 20, perhaps a bit more uplift. So that goes along with the IPC, and, you know, suggestions that Intel said. But if you want to go to DDR5, blows it out of the water. Wow. So, so, so when you say your your Puget Bench scores do have that increase, you know, from an end user end user end user perspective, comparing DDR4 to DDR5, I do really wonder how much of that is IPC versus the enhanced memory, and whether Adobe has built their software to take advantage of that when it occurs because hmm. they've known this happened for a while right and of course apple's obviously got massive memory bandwidth now you can bet that they've been designing performance increases into their software for updates for a while yeah so no, i do wonder it's a really good question because um <clears throat> as i spit up my ddr4 box i i'll go and look at it and i think one of the problems when which is what i love is because your numbers are sort of like like you've boiled it down to where you can identify that that one thing in the stew mm-hmm. like oh this this is clearly in the stew i think the problem i have with most actual practical when you step back and you're sitting there and you're driving lightroom classic it's it's a massive stew of compiler um optimizations within this this huge huge application suite and i for me it's always hard to tell like and I'm always on. I'm always very wary of this because, um, and I didn't. I didn't um, bring the chart for Premiere because I didn't want to get too sidetracked into it. But Puget Bench actually, it's like sixty six percent faster for Alder Lake over over Ryzen nine. And it is in your review, so it is in the yeah, review. Yeah, so go to go PC World again. I'm just gonna just gonna push that. So go to PCWorld.com today. Go read that also. Go to anontech.com if you want to see Ian's stuff. Good stuff. But um, the actual, if you actually look at the reason why that they just slaughter Ryzen 9 uh, 5950X in Premiere is because there's a live. So Puget Bench looks at uh, uh, Premiere, there's a live playback where you're, you're, you're basically scrubbing the video and you're playing it live playback. It's like 90% faster in that one live pl- playback. And the only reason is because when you have the IGP on, it's probably, my yeah. guess is it's using part of the encode engine from the IGP engine once it's on. And so memory that really, as well. right. And so it really, yeah, memory bandwidth, but I mean, it really, it's really IGP memory bandwidth and all that. And, and of course, if you it's buy a KF part, you don't get it. And I mean that the future to me feels like the future is you got to have memory bandwidth. And you got to have like you get a call from Adobe, and they say, "Hey, we're having a problem with this. You better get somebody over there right now. Like somebody's going to jump in their car. You're going to send like a van full of twelve engineers to go fix this issue, and, and you're going to go fix it. It's about developer, developer relations, you know, compiler, and then definitely memory bandwidth. Is that, I I love this memory bandwidth thing because I'm because I didn't do DDR four. I didn't really say it, but I kind of wonder. DDR5 feels like it is a tax, but it's a tax you're going to really may have to pay for Alder Lake. So, so when you do your DDR4 testing, keep the question in the back of your mind. Should Intel have launched Alder Lake with DDR4 at all? Because I was, I, I, I was a proponent that they shouldn't have because right now we have 60 motherboards in the market, about 20 DDR4, about 40 DDR5. 
And are you really going to buy a brand new beginning of a generation system with a motherboard limited to end of a generation memory? It's it. We're in that really bad mix of we're in a mix of bad decisions, which may be good for revenues for these companies as people realize they need to change. But yeah, it's you do wonder, will that motherboard ever have any value now? Because it's DDR4 at, on the second-hand market when you come to update in three or four years' time. It's it's a mess. Yeah. I, but it's because they're early for DDR5. Too early. Arguably. Yeah. But, I mean, that's sort of you having gone through three, four DDR, you know, RAM bus. Mm. It's always just – it's the ugliest It's the ugliest thing you ever – like, for some reason, RAM is always – it's like – other than ATX, it's the one thing humans will never let PC people will never let go of. It's it's. But I, I think I get it. I know why they did DDR4, and I know what you're saying because like, yeah, you know, you want all the like, you really want DDR5, right? Because you're just like, why do you want to live in the past? If 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 DDR5 had been a year ahead of where it is now, they would have just disabled the DDR4 side of it and just said, okay, everything DDR5. Just like they did with AVX five twelve. <laughs> yeah, before forget we get there. I, I <laughs> want to mention. I I agree. I think though. I think I understand why they do DDR four and they have to because if you're you're going to the OEMs and say yeah you we're going to really push this over Ryzen. Well, that's cool, but you've just added two hundred dollars to the to the you know the bomb cost of yep. a system. <laughs> you think I'm really going to be able to sell to a consumer a plus two hundred? Over a Ryzen with DDR4, well, I got to have a DDR4 it, option, right? Also, uh, so I was just going to say, uh, Falcon Northwest is in the chat. Says oh. DDR5 is incredible. <clears throat> it's also proving the toughest part of the platform to get enough quantity of as yep. supply will be tight through Q4. And and by the way, Kel, yep. look, there's we have done the switchover. Behind us has long been a a uh, a Threadripper box behind me. And yeah, I do have to box it up and get it back, but you know the whole pandemic thing. But right now, you you will see behind me is a Falcon Northwest uh, Alder Lake system. So yes, we did unbox it. <laughs> if, if 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 Intel had a high end desktop platform to manage the transition, that would have come first, just like with Skylake. Yeah, no, no, that's really true. I didn't even think about that because not even yeah, you go all the way back to Haswell, you had. Yeah. Haswell DDR3 for the plebes. You're a cheapskate like Elena. DDR3, right? <laughs> oh, you're like Mr. Moneybags. You're like, you need power. You want to waste, you want to use your 1500 watt power supply. You go DDR4 on Haswell E. And you're right. Haswell yeah. E, those E series parts sort of like pave the way for next generation memory. And, and I'm trying to think. And, and the hot. The high-end desktop market is usually rounds to zero percent of revenue, <laughs> right? So that's where you experiment. And unfortunately, in, Intel hasn't had the hardware to experiment in that area. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the problems with that high-end, the HEDT part, is it it that crowd is a little too loud, a little too proud because we're always screaming. We're always screaming, oh, my God, you're getting slaughtered on this. It's like, man, ain't nobody even buying that. I remember the, I'm, I'm, the story like gig, I used to talk to Gigabyte, and I would always ask Irene. And they're like, yeah, how's how's the high HEDT doing? So, you know, you asked me that last time. I went and checked. They said zero. There's zero. Nobody's buying these. But, you know, <laughs> it's just because we all we're all people like us in the, in the yeah. YouTube chats and the Reddit forum. We want the 
we want the thread ripper. We want we want these crazy X parts, right? It's just <laughs> But nobody buys yeah, them. It's a cool name. It's a good name. Well, it's like the Corvette. It's like the Corvette. Like Corvettes move zero amount of in- inventory for GM, but they got a lot of people to go in and buy Chevettes is the old argument. And it really <laughs> is true. Well, I mean, and now that storage is all is all moving to PCIe, I mean, back in the day when you upgraded your storage, you put your old storage as a backup, right? You or you because it's just a SATA connector. Now everything is at least two lanes of PCIe. You're going to slowly run out on systems these days if you want to have all your m.2s for the last three generations installed so on definitely people ddr5 is always gonna it's still going to be controversial like any memory memory transition but um pcie 5 pcie 5 is here i made the argument in my review like for next generation features you you want you want pcie 5 right isn't that like you want that i would not i would feel bad not to have it at this point the benefit from PCIe 5 isn't going to be 16 lanes. It's going to be one lane is equivalent to four lanes of PCIe 3. So if you can get your 16, you, if, if in the future you get a by 16 slot and you can bifurcate it into one, 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 wow, you've just got 16, 16 equivalents of PCIe 3 by 4. So when as you know, say networking and raid and all these extra features i mean how many how many by one slots do you have on a motherboard these days you can have two three four imagine sticking a high-speed nvme device in it and actually getting you know four gigasec out of it that's that's what pci5 is there for still nascent still nascent we're still relying on pci4 for most of it um but the moment you speak about the benefits for graphics cards nah there's no point talking about it there's no need what about for native gen 5 ssds if we ever when we get there no um to, to, to be honest i think at this point it's more about the nand technology being fast enough than it is the interface i mean octane has really big benefits because of the thing that it is versus traditional 3d nand right so it's uh, but then again, um, I think Intel just announced that they've actually lost money on Optane overall. So, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's a little. I scary. wonder where that will go. Uh-oh. It is all scary there. Uh, so, just to be mindful of the time, we got about twenty minutes oh. left. Uh, so, you know, let's. Uh, is is there any more charts you want to show? Did, did you want to show your gaming chart? And we'll just do it I, next. I I want to hear your feelings on gaming. My feelings on gaming too, which uh, we could do uh, slide five. Basically, for audio listeners, it's. It's uh, i5, Ryzen 5, Ryzen 9, Core i9, all, you know, Win 11, uh, 3090 uh, FE running games. I think I ran about eight different games. And generally, um, if I had to say somebody won, I would say, because it's it's very important for marketing, I would definitely say that i9 and i5 lead. But there's also a very practical, my consumer advice is like, don't even sweat it at this point, you know? And I think people like, don't even worry about it. You like, don't worry about whether you have a Ryzen 5 or a Core i5. You should worry about whether you have a next generation GPU, you know? It's it's, it's getting to that weird point where we we have a hammer and we're in search of a nail, right? (laughs) It's, do you, do you end up searching for the set of, resolution and quality settings that is just at that 60 or just at that one that 120 boundary 
um, whether that's you know, averages, medians, percentiles, what have you. And it gets a bit annoying as a reviewer yes, <laughs> to do yes. that sort of thing. Um, I mean, so Intel said we're only going to showcase 1080p high because that's what most people play at. Some people complained, but then if you go to high resolutions, you really are becoming more GPU limited. Um, so there is, you know, truth to that. And you, some people might argue that high refresh, high refresh rate screens might be more popular than higher resolution screens. I mean, I'd love to see some exact numbers on there. Right. Let's see if Intel ever decides to show those. Um, but yeah, as I, I found as what you did, you know, I, I did a lot of tests at 1080p max. Uh, just because that was part of my suite anyway. And in general, yeah, Intel comes out ahead. But it's usually by such small margins at such high frame rates to begin with. And I was testing on a 2080 Ti. You were testing on a 3090. Yeah. So it's what what we really need to pivot. And I'm talking specifically, you know, you and me, you and I, is what are we doing aside from gaming at the same time? But then we come into that again. We're a hammer looking for a nail situation, right? You know, are we streaming at the same time? How do we make sure that the streaming is um, equivalent every time we test? I mean, if I say, for example, I automate streaming. If my internet goes down, can I automate? You know, the fact that oh, it's the internet's gone down. Don't mm. do the test, mm. right? It, it 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 adds in a lot of very difficult variables and. Um, I'm really supportive of the journalists who do do that sort of testing because I just know how time-consuming it is and how, you know, pulling out hair it is. Um, Gordon, you don't have that problem. No, it is true. It's whenever whenever somebody does that testing, I always worry about consistency. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just a scientist in me. I want to make sure I want to know that everything is identical and ideal. And you can never guarantee that something over a network cable is identical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's I I didn't do like a lot of like multitasking um, testing because it can be really really inconsistent and in, you know sometimes. So that that's what kind of scared me with this. And then I I do believe sort of the traditional let's blast out seven. I mean we're looking at seven hundred fifty four frames a second in Counter Strike uh, on the i nine, but. I think that has some value, but then streaming it is, and I, streaming would be a great way to do it because a lot of, and I think the problem is I'm too old school. Like I'm never going to, why would I want to stream what I'm playing? Like, like, so people will just yell at me that I suck, but I do think it is valuable. I just wish there was a way to do it and I would feel more comfortable with the results. So I once did write an automated script for OBS so OBS would start and stream straight away. Hmm. I'd wait 30 seconds, then run my game test. Then when the game test finished, I would stop the stream. Um, and obviously you do it three runs per, or three or four runs per resolution quality setting. And then you're doing you know, six different quality resolution settings and then you're doing eight different games. Um, so eventually your Twitch account gets banned because hmm. you're starting too many streams. <laughs> Yep. Oh, you, so you should go to restream. You could go to restream, then you don't have to. So it's technically yeah, but streaming. Then they, but they might come back and say, "Why are you starting all these streams again?" I don't know. I've I've hammered it pretty hard. Yeah. Just, 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 just like when Denuvo says you can't run your game on Old Lake. <laughs> oh, is that? It keeps thinking that you're you're changing the processor. <laughs> Denuvo, Denuvo. 
Denuvo at some level uses what CP, what CPU core you're running on for its DRM, mm. and if you if the game somehow launches on the E core rather than the P core, it considers that a new system. <laughs> and if you do that five times, it will lock you out for 24 hours. Oh god! Um, Intel says that they're working on fixing this, um, and out of the top 200 games, about 20 25 are affected, and they've still got two to fix. Um, but it may be a problem for old games where updates aren't coming. Huh. Um, Interesting to figure out, though. Yeah, I you know because we only have a few minutes left. I want to break in my last two because I I always think it's fun and I want to hear what Ian thinks. He probably he can tell me I'm wrong. It's cool. It's cool. First one. Let's do uh, slide six. Okay. Basically, this is uh, because I know how important Cinebench is to the world because we're all Cinebenching all the time. Uh, this is basically a Cinebench R twenty um, because it it you can run it in significantly less time. Uh, this is using from, you can manually set the amount of threads, and this is from one thread to 32 threads. This is the i9 versus 5950X. And, you know, it's, I always thought it was, it's kind of cool. It's just thumb sucking kind of cool because I, I sort of see like, one, I really did not think that they would, that it would be that much faster. Cause basically in Cinebench R20, a 24 thread i9 is basically as fast as a 32 thread, you know, 1616. Uh, a thread over, but you can sort of, I mean, not thread over, but uh, Ryzen 9, but you can basically see at about eight threads, which is sort of where we run out of P cores. Um, the performance then sort of nosedives, and then you get to about 16 threads where you're now out of E cores as well, and they're basically dead even, and Ryzen is out of a physical cores as well. But then we start to, you know, it's, I've never seen anything look like this. It's typically, you know, one CPU is, is faster on lightly threaded stuff and one or or faster on everything or it's heavier on 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 all core load but this is like this looks like the golden gate bridge it's just got this <laughs> weird you know at 24 threads it's, basically of course it's the max but i mean it's it's just kind of weird that whole e-core versus performance core thing it's it's because with with the old lake you've got three levels of performance p-core e-core and a p-core hyper thread and that's you know eight eight eight. With the Ryzen, you've got sixteen sixteen. Um, so the interception points for those two hmm. are at sixteen. But then yeah, so I, I I totally get why the graph is shaped like that. It's just funny um, to see though, right? It's weird. Yeah, it's so. So the question I, I I would be interested in is between that sort of eight thread and sixteen thread, right? Um. It would be fun to know if the threads were actually going on the e cores or the hyper threads, because that is a Windows scheduler issue, and that may have connotations for Windows 10 versus Windows 11. Yeah, and again, another complexity for the old late platform. Yeah, no, and I'm really, I'm kind of like, I sort of assume that it's going to go to e cores only, but I don't know. Yeah. Thread directors in there, Intel I, or Windows is in there. You don't know what you're getting. Too many cooks, I think. Too many cooks. <laughs> Although I, I, I just want to show this off because I think we've been talking a lot about, uh, uh, you know, i nine and Ryzen nine. But this is basically this is our Cinebench R twenty for audio audio listeners. It's our same thing where I'm doing this for i five twelve six hundred K versus uh, fifty six hundred, and this looks far more traditional, um, almost. Although you do see that dip in the middle, but. I think the real sort of sleeper message in everything, uh, you didn't get a chance to really run up 
um, I five stuff, but it's destruction derby. I five versus Ryzen five is like it just crushes Ryzen five. I mean, I was like, and it was weird. I would see things in my testing where I nine would lose to Ryzen in some things, or it'd be very close. But you would get to I five versus Ryzen five, and it'd be like it would just be blowout. There was just like very very like nine out of ten, nineteen out of twenty things. I five was crushing Ryzen five, and it just feels like Intel just like they've been super frustrated by getting losing to Ryzen this whole time, and they've decided to take all of their anger out on the Ryzen five because they're just like <laughs> I can say, well, no, no, yeah, this is this this is the anger from first gen Ryzen because that's when this product <laughs> would have been started, right? Yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's it's the e cores just throw so much annoyance into the mix i should say from my perspective it's annoyance um from every else's perspective it's free performance yeah it's yeah it's it's great free performance though it's just like it's it's just crazy like and then well i mean also we didn't get into the whole pricing thing and obviously they're sold out already and i will tell you they're going to be expensive for the few first few months three months we'll see if they all sort of settle down to whatever the actual prices are, but the prices I feel are also very aggressive, you know, for, for these parts. It just feels like they, they want to, we are out. Intel is like, we are out to, to, to get payback. Finally, it feels like the, the, the Zen three Ryzen processors, all four of them were in the top 10 of Amazon's bestseller list all year. You know, once, once the stock started coming in properly, they were all four of them in the top 10, even the 16 core, which is insane. Yeah. And so also well I, above it, MSRP sometimes. Yeah. It, and to have, th- well, three, six new chips and assuming that they're in volume, you can very much assume that all three of them, if they can keep up the numbers, will also be in that top 10. The question is in what order and how much? Because... I go back, Old Lake still has the DDR4 versus DDR5. Motherboards are more expensive. um, Cheapest Z690 motherboard is $190, which $190 used to get you the top of the top back in X58 or uh, P55 days or whatever. So. No, yeah, no, boards so, have gotten more. But Chris, they got to pay for the LEDs, though. You got all the LEDs <laughs> on there, Ian. That's that's like fifty dollars in LEDs. They got in motherboards. These days. Also, they figured out how to make things consistent because you remember how flaky the, those old motherboards used to be. Yeah. No, I mean, but it was in then you know the everything. Right? I mean, it, it's just funny when I think back to the old days. It was things were pretty rudimentary. Things are so sophisticated these days, and everything from coolers to to motherboards to RAM. It's it's um, so Marcus Kennedy was on the hot hardware um, podcast yesterday, just just before the launch. And he said that they've been shipping these things like there's no tomorrow, shipping Old Lake everywhere they can get. Um, But in previous launches, they used to ship the whole stack. They were only launching the K and KF SKUs. Um, If they really wanted to deal damage, they would have enough silicon for the whole stack today. And they don't. And I think that says more about their ability to manufacture these CPUs than they're willing to let on. Yeah, so. no, it would be good too, right, to see, you know, a full, full lineup um, before we can sort of... But then, you know, at the same time, Intel always ships, you know, f- four CPUs for every one that AMD has shipped in the past, so... Yeah. 
at incumbent, least, yeah. right? So it'll on desktop. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see where that that plays out. But it's I know uh, you I know you guys have a hard stop soon. So do we want to yeah. cover the special? What else? Yeah. What else oh, is yes. interesting? What uh, th- else is interesting? This is Gordon? the surprise. This is the actual surprise. <laughs> you are getting information. You're unless you go to a non review, a non-tech.com, go reading and stuff. You definitely. There is actually a special secret. And I want to hear about this. There's a secret in Alder Lake we don't know about. Uh-oh. I didn't see it. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, so Tiger Lake, Rocket Lake has AVX 512. Intel's 512-bit vector standard for compute. It's really good at very specific things. And Intel's made a lot of noise saying we're optimizing software for it. Alder Lake uses um, Golden Cove for its P cores. That's the name of the microarchitecture. And in their disclosures at Architecture Day, they said, our cores will have AVX 512. They also said, our consumer cores won't. It still has it on the silicon, but they will be fused off. Now, fused off is very specific. That means we have removed it from electrical connectivity. It can never be used. So it just acts as like dark silicon, help with thermal hotspots, but doesn't doesn't do anything because you're not powering it on. Mm. Uh, and it turns out that if you use an Asus motherboard, uh, an ASRock motherboard, or a Gigabyte motherboard, if you disable all the e-cores, there is an option in the BIOS that either appears or is there already saying, enable AVX512. Mm. And so if you click yes, and... Uh, I did what I do that I do when I verify these things. We have full support for Sapphire Rapids, which is next generation Intel server level of ABX 512. So we've got Bfloat 16 support, uh, Floating Point 16 direct support, all the all the special VNNI, IFMA, GFNI, all of those instructions work in Old Lake, even though Intel has said that it was fused off. Um, and it turns out um, I've, I've gone into a bit more detail than I should perhaps say, um, at least on, on, on the podcast here. But if you read on an Antec, the idea was that AVX 512 was going to be in this chip from the beginning. But at some point, somebody decided we don't want to validate it because if you put it in, you have to validate it. You have to go through all the rigmarole of doing that. Lawyers. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's lawyers, it's, it's additional testing. Maybe if they'd have included AVX 512, would have delayed it until next year because of the extra validation it shouldn't be that more validation but it turns out this decision was made when the avx 512 team were kind of out of the office um so when <laughs> so 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 when they got back they found out that oh all that extra work you're doing now it's just for sapphire rapids now um so it's and the idea was that the option would be disabled in bioses right the firmware that the motherboard vendors get wouldn't have this option available to them turns out some motherboard vendors have managed to find it and put it in for users intel has several choices here it could do scorched earth and say any motherboard vendor that puts out a bios with it in future um is punished because intel has various ways of punishing these companies too they retract and say it's there it's like overclocking your mileage may vary but if it doesn't work we won't fix it and don't blame us if something goes wrong or they say nothing um, yeah, it's a good thing nobody of... knows about this secret feature in the world, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's back with Rocket Lake. AVX 512 was really power hungry, 290 plus watts when you used it. 
Um, but for Sapphire Rapids, Intel enabled some new features that meant it wasn't so power hungry, but still offered performance. We've tested it on Old Lake, and it only reaches about 235 watts max, and it performs slightly better than Rocket Lake does, huh. about eight to ten percent. Um, so it would have been a really fun, interesting feature if it had been enabled, but it isn't technically. But you can. So I'm just surprised because when they have always said these are fused off, it's dead. We've cut it off. I'm just surprised that yeah. they've left them on that way because that's that's not that's that's not fused off at all. If you can re-enable and, it. And, and yeah, in our testing, they're running at 4.9 gigahertz, so that you've got no penalty decrease in the frequency. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest, if if this was the one thing that would have delayed Old Lake to next year, I could kind of see why they did it. Otherwise, it's a marketing nightmare because they've said ABX 512 is part of our future, no transistor left behind. And now they're leaving transistors behind. So, although I, I sort of think the don't don't ask, don't tell could work here, <laughs> and I hope that's what they do because I hope I hope they don't knuckle them under to disable it. Yeah, don't tell anybody. It's, Just don't tell anybody. Okay. But I, I do. It, I it, wonder. It, is it possible? So we, I got a, a a full retail part as far as I could tell because it's it's not marked engineering sample. I'm sure yeah. it's early silicon, but. And you did too. Is it possible? It's because you may get chip to chip variances. Like it's just broken on some parts that people get. Well, well, yeah. So if they would have qualified it, they would have had to have guarantee a minimum stability, frequency, power, um, and then also committed to perhaps fixing any errata, any any issues. Like say, for example, it doesn't add up numbers correctly. They they would have fixed that. But because it's no longer part of what they call the plan of record they don't have to validate it so mm. if you do enable it it could add up numbers incorrectly but it probably doesn't because they engineer these things properly so <laughs> right very interesting that is that's crazy because i what i want to do now is i run uh, topaz uh, gigapixel a- ai i was ryzen actually beat i9 in that i was kind of shocked because that's always been sort of intel's playground you know a lot of avx512 I assume. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of wondering if I go and turn off the e cores and enable that feature, if suddenly they're faster than like, yep. huh? Mm-hmm. It's just crazy that that's even there though, because that's that is not the same. But I mean, should we be surprised? They had this software guy that they accidentally, accidentally <laughs> released that said like, it's it's going to be there optionally, right? So. Yeah. Crazy. So 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 when I say somebody came in and said we're no longer supporting this feature. I think the guide had already essentially already been written by that point. Hmm. Uh, that's crazy. Well, uh, read, read more about it over on uh, nontech.com, but we, we got to get out of here, Gordon. Uh, yeah. Man, that was fun. We got to go. That info. was a lot of fun. I, you know, I want to hear, I want to see Ian's i5 review, more, more insights. And again, uh, please uh, go to pcworld.com to read our review. Go to nontech.com to read Ian's review and also go to Ian's channel, Tech Tech Potato, if you want to learn things. Mm-hmm. You want to really learn things. Ian knows it. Dr. Ian Cutteris, super super bright guy one of the smartest guys in the room <laughs> but i gotta get us out of here for a meeting so check back next week for your fix of pc talk on the full nerd for audio listeners subscribe to us on itunes google play spotify or stitcher and if you're there please leave us a review every time you do intel accidentally leaves a feature on in its cpus <laughs> send questions and comments to the full nerd at pcworld.com thanks for coming i'm gordon Maung with dr ian cutras thanks for having me on
And Adam Patrick Martin's going to hit the L switch. Yeah, thank you, everybody, uh, all you cool cats out there. And thank you to Avast for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to Ian for uh, for coming on the show. It's always good to have you. We will see everyone next time. Bye.